be attentive. Brethren, you know that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law shall no one be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we ourselves were found to be sinners, is Christ then an agent of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again those things which I tore down, then I prove myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Peace be with you, the reader. country of the Gadarenes. There met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and lived not in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beseech you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and fetters, but he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them leave. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank. 
into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told in the city and in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid, and those who had seen it told them how he who had been possessed with demons was healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country, the Gadarenes, asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but he sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings and to all the people. eventually move and build our permanent church, we'll keep the church the same size, but definitely increase the size of the altar <laughs> to fit all of the altar boys. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes I wonder, as I read these gospel passages and then listen to them being read by the deacon in church. Because they seem so extraordinary sometimes that maybe we think, oh, this doesn't really apply to us. We don't herd pigs and we don't see necessarily people like this all around. So how can we apply this to our lives? But you don't have to be naked, you don't have to be chained, you don't have to live among the tombs physically to resemble this. All of this can be something that is happening inside of us. We don't have to be crazy possessed by a devil to be influenced by the demon. And so I want us to, as we listen to this story, and I'm not going to go over the whole story, but I want us to think of the condition of our soul, of what's happening in our mind. I want us to think of the interior of our life, not just the exterior, as we think about how this applies to our own lives. So I'm going to point out a couple more descriptions that are said here by the evangelist Luke. And just repeat them for us to think about. This is a man who had for a long time indeed been possessed by demons. And look at the condition that the demons had put him in. 
We don't know if he was married. We don't know if he had children. We for sure know he had family. Everybody has family. We for sure knew that he had friends and acquaintances. That at one time he grew up in a house. That he was known. That people cared for him. That he probably cared for others. So we know he came from a context of community and fellowship. But no longer. He had been driven out of the community, out of the city, out of the village, wherever he came from. And he was now indeed living among the tombs, among the dead. How many of you feel really comfortable at night in a cemetery by yourself? It's not the ambiance that a normal person is looking for. Well, this is cool. This great atmosphere, I'm going to sleep out here tonight. We don't think that way. We want to be among the living, but not this person. And he had no clothes. He was naked on the outside, and he was spiritually naked. And I want you to think about what that symbolizes. Think of the vulnerability. Think of the exposure. Think of the humiliation. There is nothing private or sacred in a sense of being publicly naked in this sense. Obviously Adam and Eve in paradise were naked and they had no shame. But this is a nakedness of shame. It says in the gospel that he was so crazy, so wild, so out of his right mind that they could not even contain him. So they would chain him and bind him. But he was so crazed with the demons inside of him that he had superhuman strength and he would break those bonds. And nobody, and I mean nobody, wanted to come near him. Is this a human being acting like he's made in the image of God called to be like God. This is what the devil thinks of every one of us. You can think that the devil's not real. You can think that he, as a fallen angel, might still have some kindness in him, some goodness in him. But this is what he wants to do to every single one of us if we let him. He wants to separate us from everything that is godly, everything that is humane and human. I tell people often that the devil and his demons hunt like a wolf pack. They try to separate you from the herd of the community. They try to isolate the weak. Isolate the vulnerable. And when they separate those people from the herd, then they wear them down and wear them out and beat them down until they are influenced to a degree that they become increasingly dehumanized. And they begin to appear, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly like this person. And so 
Luke shares this story with us, not because it makes sense to us about pig herding and pigs running off of a cliff into a sea and drowning. We don't necessarily relate to that, but I think we can relate to the opposite of the condition of this man. And none of us desires, none of us desires as human beings, if we are normal, to be like him on the inside or the outside. And we do see people like this, whether it's through mental illness or whether it's through demonic influence. We see people in the cities of our country and in other countries that have been isolated, who have been dehumanized, who are not in their right mind, who more or less resemble this man. Now, I want to bring to mind something that the Apostle Paul says in Galatians. He says, All who have been baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. No one who has entered into union with Christ through baptism and is a member of the body of Christ is naked, spiritually speaking. They have clothed their soul, clothed their mind, clothed their heart with Jesus Christ. There is no greater intimacy than we can understand that it is symbolized through this understanding of baptism. The word baptisis literally means immersion. You are immersed in union with Christ. There is a relationship of intimacy and communion that takes place. Just as Christ lived, you are now given the tools to live. Just as Christ died to his all the sin and the fallenness of the world, even though he never shared in any of that, we too enter into union with his death so that we die once and for all to sin. So that as he lives a new life, having triumphed over sin, we might enter into that newness of life, that communion of newness of life, no longer a slave to sin. As Christ is buried, we bury the old man, the old sinful nature, and we are raised up with Christ so that we are raised up a new creature. All of the effect of sin on our soul is cleansed and washed away so we can consider ourselves just like Christ to be dead to sin, but alive in a newness of way in union with God, clothed in this baptismal garment of union. This very undergarment that the clergy wears, this dikarium, is a symbol of the fact that you came to Him naked and now you are clothed. You are wrapped in His grace, in His light, in His truth. And whenever this garment gets soiled, and it does every single day, day after day, we fall, we get up, we rise, we repent. Repentance is the chief action of every Christian. St. John Chrysostom says that repentance literally opens the gates to heaven and escorts us into paradise. It is the reconciliation back to the purity of our baptism. I want to remind you of the parable of the prodigal son. He too, 
after squandering his inheritance in sinful living in a foreign land, attached to foreigners, lying in the mud, not even able to eat what the pigs were eating, he too was naked. And he also wasn't in his right mind because he was living a sinful life. He had acted as if his heavenly father were dead. And when we are in sin, we are acting as if God is dead for us. But then he came to himself. He came to his senses. He got up. And the moment he turned his nose back to the father, the father ran down the road. And what did he do? He clothed him. He put shoes on his feet. He put a robe over his body. He put the ring of sonship back on his hand. And a party in heaven was inaugurated. That son was lost and dead and now he was found and resurrected. When Jesus encountered this man who probably looked horrible. Can you imagine not having a bathroom, not having a shower, not having any water or clean water? What this person would have looked like Day after day, week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year in that condition. That's not what Jesus saw. Jesus saw His own image in the heart of that man. He saw with that man not what He was, but what He could be. For He created Him. He knows the blueprint of each one of us. And He reached out in self-emptying love and poured himself into that man and drove the demons out, though they were legion, many. And what happened to that man instantaneously? They clothed him. He was found sitting at Jesus' feet, worshiping him, literally clinging to Christ, to the point that Jesus had to say, you cannot come with me. This is not what I am calling you to. You have to go back amongst your own people. Because you were dead and now you are alive. You were crazy, now you are sane. You were possessed, now you are free. You were disfigured and dehumanized, now the image and likeness of God is so beautifully evident in your personage. Go back and show yourself to the people. Be my witness. Show them the power of God and the evidence that the kingdom is present in your own person. You can do me and the kingdom no greater favor than to go and prove that the kingdom is indeed at hand. Don't follow me in that way. Follow me in this way. And go back amongst your people as salt and as light as the gospel in action before these people who are living in darkness. They may send me away now, but they have you. And if they accept you, they accept me, and they accept the one who has sent me to you. So my dear brothers and sisters, we all need to examine our inner life, the inner person in each one of us, and to say, to what degree are we being influenced by evil? Because we certainly live in the midst of it. But God has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. 
to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And in order to do that, we need to be free. We need to shun all of the evil influence and cling to that which is good. So let us continually, day by day, week by week, month by month, examine ourselves in the light of Christ, in the light of those who He has put before us throughout all the ages, who are worthy of our imitation because they too imitated Christ. And let us continue to repent that the gates of the heavenly kingdom may be open to us and we may be ushered through that repentance into the kingdom and take as many people with us as we can. Let us cling to the body of Christ. Let us cling to the community, to the baptismal garment that God has adorned us with, to purity of heart, so that the grace of God can be fully evidenced in our lives and draw many, many, many people into His holy body, the kingdom of heaven, and into union and communion with God Almighty. Amen.